Hey, this is Rob Dial, and if you want to create a life with more money, more meaning, and more freedom, you have to listen to the Shit That You Don't Learn in College podcast with my good friend, Xander Fryer. How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. All right, all right. Welcome back to another great episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Today, we've got a good buddy of mine, Rob Dial. Now, if you don't know Rob, Rob is the host of The Mindset Mentor, the number one iTunes podcast that got to 1 million downloads in its first 12 months and now gets over 4 million downloads per month. He's got 2.5 million followers on Facebook, has had his videos viewed over a billion times. He's a master of the viral video, and it's his life's mission to impact 1 billion souls on this planet. You're not going to want to miss this episode. In it, we're going to dig into why Rob's mom told him to drop out of college at age 20, uh, how to go viral on social media. He's had over 50 videos go viral on social media, the power of psychedelics and the power it can have on your brain to overcoming traumas and limiting beliefs and how to build closer relationships in every area of your life, in your career, at home, with your friends, it doesn't matter. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. Every week, my team goes through our reviews, and for every new five-star review, we plant a tree to restore the rainforest of Madagascar and provide a child in India one year of e-learning. So if you give us a review, you're giving back too. All right. How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer, host of the Shit You Don't Learn in College podcast, and we are back with another episode with my good buddy, Rob Dial. Rob, welcome to the show. What's up, buddy? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks Thanks for showing. You look uh, You look good over there. You look like you're having fun. Yeah, dude. I'm trying to trying to show up and look as good as you, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough life we live. Um, yeah. So... Just, uh, you know, I want to talk to you a lot about uh, your business, Rob. You're obviously uh, a prolific content creator. You and I have very similar businesses. We'll talk about our different paths to these businesses. Mm -hmm. um, you're also, uh, I think the term would be an influencer. Uh, sure. So we'll- You can call we'll, me that. I guess I influence in some way, sure. You, you, in, you influence, well- if you've, yeah. you've had over a, you know, over like a billion, literally a billion people watch you on Facebook, yeah. uh, you know, millions of people downloading your podcast every single month. So we're going to dig into that. But before we dig into all of that fun stuff, I'd love for you to just give anybody who doesn't know who Rob is, maybe the, you know, maybe the three to five minute synopsis of, you know, how you got to this point in your, in your life and in your career. Yeah. So, so I started uh, selling Cutco knives when I was uh, 19 years old. You were, you were that guy. 
I was that guy. Not only was I that guy, I was also that guy that trained all of those guys. So yeah. uh, by the time I was 20, uh, I was promoted to be a manager with them. By the time I was 21, I opened my first office with them for four months over the course of the summer. Uh, after that was done, I came back and uh, ran the Tampa office. We grew that to number one office in the entire company. I have over 700 of them. And uh, by the time, uh, then after that, I dropped out of college. So I did all of that while I was still in college. Uh, dropped out of college and because uh, I was running a, a business that was doing $1.8 million a year. And I was like, why the hell am I in college when I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm a business major I've, and I'm running I've already, a business. I've already figured out the goal. Yeah, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've already figured out business. Why am I a business major? I'm learning from people who have never run a business in their entire lives. And I'm, you know, cheating on my history, the Civil War class. I was literally cheating on it. And I was like, I'm, I, there's no reason to be here. So yeah. uh, dropped out when I was uh, in 2009, opened my first like year long co-office, like just, it was a, a career at that point, 2009. And uh, by the time I left the company, I was 24. I had trained over 2000 sales reps on how to sell knives in people's houses and uh, did about almost $6 million in, in sales of in-home presentations in knives and people that I had trained. So, uh, so yeah, then, then I went into corporate sales and corporate training in sales. And, uh, by the time 2000 and 15 ran around, came around. I felt like I, I had a lot of personal development that I had acquired um, and a lot of stuff that I felt people needed at that time. So I decided to start a podcast, started a podcast, uh, the Mindset Mentor podcast in 2000 and uh, it was August of 2015. And uh, it was just me coaching. So just me speaking directly to people 15, 20 minutes, three times a week. And, uh, you know, at this point, we're at uh, over almost a thousand episodes and uh, we do uh, this this month. We'll probably do about five million, about five million downloads for uh, the podcast. And so it's been a journey over the past six years. And uh, you know, started off fr took my uh, started a coaching business from that. Coach people one on one, yeah. did group coaching from the the podcast, and then realized, all right, I'm really good at social media because somewhere in there I decided to start creating viral videos. So I started creating viral videos. My number one videos at over a hundred million views. And uh, we're at about probably 1.5 billion views on Facebook uh, at this point in time. So I was like, all right, I'm really good at social media. I'm really good at sales. I'm really good at coaching. I could probably teach people how to do all this stuff. I could probably turn this into something. Yeah, yeah. I could probably teach people how to do these things. Because the average, you know, at that point in time, I was making like $400,000 a year. And the average coach is making like $14,000 a year. And I was yeah. like, where's the disconnect? The disconnect is that the average coach is, a, can, is really good and they have a base of knowledge that they're good at, but they have no idea in hell how to build a business yeah. on coaching. So that was like, I was, I can step in here. And once I started teaching that to people, you know, business grew a lot. So, uh, so yeah, man, it's been, it's been a journey. That's me. And what is that? It's 120 second nutshell, I guess. That was, that was, I'm not gonna lie. That was pretty impressive. Yeah. That, was, that was a good job. Uh, so I'd like to take it back a little bit, maybe even to before, uh, maybe even before you got into Cutco and, mm -hmm. and really, you know, uh, how you got into personal development. Now I know you lost your dad at a young age, right? Yeah. And yeah. like, how, how did that affect you? And how did getting into personal development, like how did that yeah. happen for you? Cause yeah, that is I now your I wouldn't career. do what I did. I, I wouldn't do what I do had I not had the past that I had. So yeah. uh, my parents got divorced when I was nine cause my dad was an alcoholic um, and he was a severe alcoholic. But on top of it is, is he, he died at 48 from being an alcoholic and that's pretty quick. Uh, we think the reason why is because he also had back injuries, so he had to take prescription medicine. So if you're taking yeah. prescription medicine as well as you know being an alcoholic, you're going to destroy your liver. So um, he died at 48. I was 15 years old, and uh, you know my 
the thing that came into my head was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but I'm going to work my entire life to make sure that good comes from this. Yeah. So, you know, from then on, I was like, e even when I was younger, I was always thinking like, why is he this way? When my parents divorced, I never blamed myself for it. I was like, you know, I, I understood my dad's traumas and his alcoholism came from him not overcoming his traumas and working on himself. Yeah. Right. So, so you, my you dad had died. that understanding even, even at a young age, somehow yeah, you very were able young. To crit critically separate yourself For sure. from that situation. For sure. Yeah. I never yeah. thought it was my fault. Always knew that it, his trauma came because his, my dad walked into the room, uh, when he was 12 years old one night, right after he heard a gunshot and he walked in and his dad had just shot himself in the mouth with a shotgun. And yeah. so my dad never overcame that trauma. And so for me, as soon as I had all the issues with myself as a child and, and growing up and what comes from that, and, you know, obviously just traumas of just growing up in this world, nobody goes through this world without scars. I yeah. was like, I need to work on myself. And once I discovered uh, personal development, which I discovered when I was in Cutco, it was like an obsession. And then so I, I had come over, overcome a lot of things in my life, I felt like in mindset and negativity and ways I was holding myself back. And I had gotten to a level of success that I felt most people would deem would be very successful. And that's what they want to get to. And so I thought, you know, if I can overcome the things I've overcome, I could probably teach people to do the same. And I felt, I honestly felt obligated to teach it. Like I have to teach this yeah. to people. And, um, and, you know, there was a lot of, a lot of holding myself back. There was a lot of imposter syndrome before I launched the podcast, but I decided to do it anyways. And, you know, it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a journey since then. So yeah, it's been, it's been a good decision. <laughs> it's been a great decision, but it, it would not have happened. And I would not be doing what I'm doing now had I not gone through that as a child. Yeah. It's so it's it, like every time I talk to you, it, it's almost like the similarities between our path is just more and more. And like me losing yeah. my best friend is like the trigger for all of this for me, you yeah. losing your dad. Um, yep. I always wonder like, how come for, how come for me and how come for you, right? Like uh, when, when some of this stuff happened to me, like I didn't really have a past of, of personal development or anything like that, but I did make a decision, right. To, to find good in it. And you know, like when mm -hmm. I lost AJ, the decision I made was like, I never want somebody to have to go through that trauma of yep. their best friend taking their life. Mm -hmm. Right. Same with you. You said, I never want, you know, I never want somebody else to have to feel these things or go through these things. I want to help other people with their problems. For sure. What do you think? And obviously now you've worked with, you know, hundreds and thousands of people. Do you think that that is that like, that's something that is nature? Like some of us just have that when we, you know, when we're born or is that, uh, you know, is that a spiritual thing? Is that a taught thing when we're young? What do you think that is? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't, nobody in my family is a teacher in any sort of way. Nobody's really a, a leader in any sort of way. Um, I, it's interesting because I would say like when I was younger, I wasn't much of a leader, but then, you know, when I was in sports and I started in sports, I wasn't much of a leader, but yeah. then I started reading a lot about Michael Jordan and how he was, and it kind of came up into me. So maybe it was through that. Maybe I was just a late bloomer, but yeah. you know, when I go anywhere, I'm, I, I just have that inside of me of being the leader. Like if we decide if I'm with a bunch of friends, you know, years ago, and, and I don't really drink anymore, but we're at one bar and we decide we're going to go to the other bar and it's a decision. And then everybody sits around and talks for a little while. I'm like, let's fucking go. All right, let's go. Like I'm the guy who's like, I'm leading. I'm walking You're out the, the door first. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's something that, that is, I think it's nature and nurture, you know, I think yeah. it's, I think it's both. Um, but I wouldn't say I was any sort of leader or any sort of teacher or anything like that when I was younger, I'm actually more of an introvert than I am anything else. Yeah. And I, I love that too. Cause I think that's important because I'm an introvert as well. And I, I tell people 
you know, maybe it was just I watched too many Disney movies growing up. Like, I don't yeah. know what it was, but um, you just wanted to be a knight in shining armor for I everybody. Just, I, I wanted to be that knight in shining armor more yeah. so more so now I'm trying to be Moana. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. We'll, we'll talk about that one another time. Um, so, yeah, you you and I personally have we, we share this journey of like we both started off as coaches mm-hmm. and but we were also we also had successful business and sales skills and it allowed our right. coaching businesses to to really take off in the beginning right. and then obviously we were like oh my god i you know wh- why are all these other coaches struggling like you mentioned mm-hmm. they're you know they're they're all these amazing coaches they want to help people but they can't do what we just did yeah and the common ground that i see in that is sales yeah. right like you and i both had past sales experience and and that allowed us to do amazing things with our our love of coaching can you talk to me about how you view sales specifically? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it has a bad rap and I think you've, you've built a career on it. You built a prior career on it mm-hmm. and it is a heavy part of what you do now. Can you talk to me about For your sure. view on sales? I, uh, I love sales. So when I was in school, I was actually thinking of switching from business major to psychology major. And then when I got into sales, I realized, oh my God, this is actually all psychology. It's just so psychology. It's yeah. all that it is. Right. And so I hate personally high pressure pushy salespeople. Like I hate them. I'm I'm very put off by any salesperson. Like the uh, literally earlier this week, I was in. I don't even. I was in like. I don't even know where the hell. I, I thought was. that's I what like, you do at Cutco is you walk in with the knife and you say buy some knives, right? Yeah, that's not yeah, what you, you do or at Cutco. Slit your throat. That's uh doesn't work that way. That would that would get a lot of people arrested. <laughs> so you know, I was in some place though, and in. Uh, earlier this week and the salesperson walked up to me and there was a, there was a moment in my head. I didn't actually do it, but there's a moment ahead. I'm like, get, get the fuck away. Like it was kind of like that, that feeling. And yeah. I was like, Oh, this is like a 16 year old kid. Like there was that moment of like, no, nah, I'm good. I, I don't need you. I don't need your help. So I don't even like salespeople. Right. Yeah. So what I like is the psychology of working through something with somebody, allowing them to identify their own need um, and then enrolling them into it. So I don't call it sales and I don't think you call it sales either. Really. It's more of enrolling, like in through the art of enrolling somebody is for them to enroll themselves. Right. Yeah. And what we both sell, which is, which is literally not a physical product. Like you can't hold on to our products physically. It's literally inviting somebody into their own transformation, which is a very hard sale most of the yeah. time because there's nothing you could hold. There's nothing. I mean, it's, and there's a lot of people that have the, uh, it probably works for other people that have gone through their courses and stuff, but I don't know if it'll work for me because so many people have, you know, issues just with their own personal self-worth. Um, I love sales though. And I love it because it's, it's, you never know what you're going to get. Like you have an idea, but it's always different. So like for me, I just want to get to the first objection all the time. Yeah. And the reason why I want to get the first objection is because then we can actually do the work. Then you can start to work through things. Right. For sure. Cause I can do a really good job at, presenting and talking about what I do and features and benefits and all that stuff. But I don't know what's going on in their mind until they tell me the first objection and we can clarify that. So for me, it's like, for anybody who doesn't like sales, you're, since you were a child have been selling. Like I always say the best salesperson in the world is a four-year-old that's trying to sell you on why they need a popsicle before dinner, right? Like we've all been doing that. Right, your first date. What are you doing? You're selling the person why I should go to, on a second date with you. On the second date, the third date, the fourth date, you're selling them on why they should have sex with you. On the first, second year, you're selling them on why they should marry you if it if it goes that far. Like we're constantly at the very first like moment. That is, that is part of society. Yeah, we're, we're all selling at every single moment. You meet somebody, you shake their hand, you are whether you're planning on doing it or not, selling them on why they should like you. Everything in life is sales. 
Yeah, that's that's and I love the way that you described it too. The way you described it earlier, like it almost sounded more like coaching and less yeah. like sales, right? Mm -hmm. Like helping people figure out their problems and enroll themselves into wanting to solve it. For sure. Right? A hundred percent. Yes. It's it's not it's not like, hey, you're on this side, I'm on the way I always explain this is the point of an enrollment call is not like, hey, I'm on this side, you're on this side, I'm gonna try to force you to come on my side. It's like, yeah. I'm on this side, you're on this side, I'm going to come on your side and we're going to cross this finish line together. Like that's yeah. what an enrollment call in a sales process should be. We identify your need, we identify that you want this and you need this, now it's my job, now that we've both identified this, and we're both in agreement, for me to help you find a way to afford it. Yeah. Simple. Amazing, on the same side of the table. Yes. Beautiful man. So, all right, you have a, over a billion views on Facebook. You get yeah. you get plenty of people downloading your podcasts. I'm I'm uh, a new maybe entrepreneur or somebody who wants to get to into this industry. Mm -hmm. What's your What's your first couple of pieces of advice for this person? Because I want to have a, a billion views on Facebook. Yeah. I want to be there. What What do I do? Are you talking when you say into this industry, are you talking about into the coaching industry? Or are you talking into the industry of trying to be an influencer? Let's let's say the influencer industry, getting into social media, getting getting connected and getting people to view what I have to say, getting my message right. out there, maybe. Right. So first off, the the first thing that I would say, and this is this is all marketing people are gonna hate this, is there can't be any call to action if you're trying to make the video go viral because people yeah. can sniff out bullshit a mile away. <clears throat> Even if you're not saying like, hey, buy my stuff, people can always tell on that. So like for any video that I've ever had, I've probably had, um, you know, if we're saying a viral video is a million views, I've probably had probably 75 videos that have done over yeah. a million views. It's a pretty good chance, 50, 75, probably in that range. Um, none of them have any call to action except for please share. That's yeah. it, right? So the job of a viral video in my, in my idea is to bring people into the top of my funnel. That funnel can be that they just watch more of my videos, that they just consume my content, and they may never buy from me. And in fact, if you look at my numbers as to how many people are clients of mine and how many people have been clients for the past five years versus how many people follow me on Facebook and Instagram, which is you know about 3 million, there's a lot more people who follow me that have never given me any dollars, which yeah. is fine. I'm completely cool with, but it's to bring awareness to my brand. The same yeah. way that if I were to go spend money on advertising and put up a billboard, it's to bring awareness to my brand. That's all advertising is supposed to do. Viral videos, all that stuff is to bring awareness to it. So if I'm a coach, you know, let's say I'm a mindset coach, right? And I want to bring in awareness to my business and what I'm doing. There needs to be, if I want a video to start going viral, there's be no call to action, nothing. A very easy way just to start off to see what people like is to go to your favorite Instagrams that are in your, if I'm a mindset coach, I might go to, you know, uh, the Instagram could be, um, the good quote, right? They've got like 23 million followers. I'm gonna go through their posts. And I'm going to see their most popular posts, how many have the most likes, all that type of stuff. And I'm going to see which one resonates with me the most. Yeah. I'm going to look at one that says, be the change you want to see in the world. And that one has the most likes in the past month. And I'm like, yeah, that one does resonate with me. Well, then now I've got a specific video that I can create about being the change because I know that resonates with people. So what I want to yeah. do is I want to create content that I know people like, not just like throw it's, shit at the wall. A, and it's a combination of, you know, that it resonates with you, but then you're also seeing that it resonates with other people too. A hundred percent. Yeah. Cause most people either create content that they just think people will like, 
but a lot of like 90% of the time they're wrong. It's just, and they, they, they wonder like. why they get crickets. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like somebody who writes music and they're like, I don't know why nobody likes my music. It's like, cause only you like your music. Right. So <laughs> it's like, if you were, but if you look at DJs, some of the best DJs in the world, what they do, they study the best DJs and then they figure out exactly what it is. There's a, you know, I think it's the song middle child by J Cole. And he talks about how, you know, uh, the way that he became such a great rapper. And he says, he thinks he's the best rapper alive right now is he, he says, I studied your cadence. I studied your style. When he talks about other rappers that came up before him. So it's like, he took what the other rappers that were massive were doing and made his own Frankenstein version of it. Right? So what I want to do is I want to figure out what people like, and then also what resonates with me. So sometimes people just create stuff they, that people like, but it doesn't resonate with them. And there's just an energetic difference between the two of them. Yeah. So for me, it's like, I wanna find something that I know people like based off of you know the research that I do. And number two, that actually resonates with me. And then I wanna create a video around that. And more than likely that video is going to, to, to get more views than just something of me just going, hey, I wanna make this today. Th this but is something that I want research to that goes about. into it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's huge. You mean yeah. you mean they didn't like they didn't teach you how to do this in college, so you didn't stick around for this? No, they, no that's why I dropped out. I dropped. Do you want to know why I dropped out? <laughs> because because literally I, I was like, I call my mom up one day and I'm like, Hey, mom, you want to meet me at the Cracker Barrel? I've got to talk to you about some stuff. And she's like, Yeah, sure. So we go to the Cracker Barrel. Had to happen at the Cracker Barrel. Cracker course, Barrel. That's dude. where my life changed. Cracker Barrel in Bradenton, <laughs> Florida. Right. So she lived in Bradenton, Florida. I lived in Tampa. So I drove about 45 minutes down to go see her. She drove about 20 minutes to me. It's kind of in the middle a little bit. And I'm like, hey, you know, they want to, they want me to go in and start a career position. You know, I'm, I'm not done with college yet. My mom goes, well, what's the reason why you go to college? I was like, I go to college because, you know, I, I want to be able to make money. And she goes, well, what are you doing now? I was like, I'm making money. And, she goes, and you're making more than your professors, aren't you? And I go, yeah. And she's like, well, why don't you just quit? And I was like, all right, cool, mom. Thanks. That's all I needed you what to say. Amazing, so my mom was like, what an amazing mom. Yeah, my, mom my mom's the exact opposite of everyone else. She's like, you know, my mom didn't go to college and she's yeah. a realtor. She's been a realtor for my entire life. And so, yeah, no, they didn't teach me how to make viral videos or how to connect with people or how to do any finances or any of that type of stuff in college. Yeah. And your, your mom did something that I, I, I really think I want to echo for a second here, but your mom asked you a question mm -hmm. that I think most people don't ask themselves ever about right. anything that they're doing in life. Right. Why are you doing X, Y, Z? Right. Right. What's the reason? What is the reason? What is the reason that you're in this job? What is the reason that you're going to college? Right. And because you were able to answer that question, that critical question, it became very clear, like, oh, I already have that. Like, this is not necessary. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I made, you know, my first time making over a hundred thousand dollars, I was 21 years old and I left the company at 23. And she's like, if you were to go get a degree and then go get a normal job, you know, in 2009, she's like, you make like $40,000. She's like, you're already making 250% that. And I was like, ah, yeah, you're right. You know, like she, she was like, I kind of understood it. She really told it to me and was like, I kind of needed her little permission, you know, sometimes. Your mom, your mom sounds like, like your first best coach that you had. Oh, she's a badass. Yeah. I've, I, I learned hard work from her. I mean, ever, I learned everything from that woman, you know? So it's like, she, she's a realist. She, I mean, I think I'm authentic and just tell everybody everything. That woman has no filter, which is where I got it from. You know, like I'm on, I'm on a call the other day. It was me, literally, uh, we're, we're redesigning my house, right? We had designers that were coming over. So I was like, hey, let's hop on Zoom, me, you, and, and my aunt, who's a designer in Florida. And my mom pops on and literally, the, I'm like, how's your day going? She goes, well, I just got a colonoscopy, but it's pretty good. I'm like, well, that's not a necessary thing to say. And I was like, well, that, I guess that's where I get it from. That's where You're my, like, oh, now it makes that's sense. That's where my no filter comes from. Yeah, now it makes sense. That's yeah. awesome.
Oh, beautiful man. Um, so I want to dig. I want to dig a little bit more into Rob, like because you're yeah. you're just you're a very interesting person. You do a lot of amazing things, um, and you do a lot of different things. So the first thing that I actually just wanted to ask you is, what's maybe one thing that you do? Maybe it's a weird thing that you do, or it's something that you do differently that's allowed you to be successful. Um, I don't edit anything. So the the way that I this is this is kind of the thing that I think there's two things I think that I that I really started when I came into the podcast. Yeah. Um, number one was when my father passed away, I didn't tell anybody. Like I was just afraid to tell anybody. I didn't want anybody to know he was an alcoholic, any of that stuff, right? So um I was afraid to be vulnerable. When I first started the podcast, I was like, I'm gonna be vulnerable. I'm gonna tell everybody all my shit. I'm just gonna yeah. do it, you know? So with me. I'm okay with putting everything, all my cards on the table and telling everybody exactly how it is. Once again, something I got from my mom, as you can tell. So that was talking about her yeah. being my first coach. She just throws it all on the table, doesn't care what you think of her, right? Which is a beautiful thing if you want to be successful, just the the fact of not caring what people think of you. Um, and the second thing was just like full authenticity. You know, when I was doing three episodes a week, I didn't have time to edit them. And so what I did was I just started putting them up. And if you listen to podcasts nowadays, they're so edited, they're so perfect, everything's so amazing. And for me, if you were to sit in a room, like my my uh, assistant came from my podcast, like I said, hey, if you want to apply, you know, she, she came from my podcast. The first time she came over and watched me record, she goes, oh, you don't stop. I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> like, it's literally one take, we're done. If I yeah. mess up in some sort of way, I mess up. Like I've had times where I sneeze in the middle of podcasts. I start talking my hands and I've knocked water off and I just keep going and I tell, oh shit, I just knocked something over. So it's like, for me, it's like full vulnerability, full authenticity. And when, when, you know, I don't need to say it to you cause I know you well, but when I get on to people, you know, that are interviewing me on their podcasts, I literally say every single time, there's nothing that you can't ask me. Yeah. Right. If you want to dive deeper into my dad, we can dive deeper into my dad. There's literally nothing that's off the table because there's nothing that I have shame or guilt of because shame breeds in the dark. And so all of my shit, all of my, I don't have no more skeletons in the closet. They're all out yeah. of the closet. So for me, and what I think people are really dying for right now is just like authenticity. There's so much Photoshop. There's so many fake people. There's so many people that are renting Lamborghinis and taking videos inside of planes that never actually take off and showing their, their fake wealth. And people just want real people nowadays. Yeah. And I, so I want to dig into that a little bit further, because I think one of the reasons that like, you're such a happy person is your willingness to go in the dark. Like you just for mentioned, sure. like turn yeah. on the lights. And I think that's scary as hell for a lot of people. Right. So what's, yeah. what's your advice to people around that? do some psychedelics. Um, no, uh, I've done quite a few psychedelics that have helped me do that, but I, I, it's a journey, you know? So like the reason why I think people struggle with psychedelics is because, uh, you'll find out a lot of things that you're not ready to see. Right. So had I done psychedelics 10 years ago, it would have been a lot harder. It was still hard as hell, you know, yeah. but I've done, uh, quite a few psychedelics in order to kind of get deeper into my own self. So I think for people that are that are afraid to to enter the dark, there's a quote that says, uh, "The cave that you're afraid to enter holds a treasure that you seek." Right? Yeah. Like everything that you want in life is you have to go through that dark cave in order to get get whatever it is that you want. I think that that's just the way that God or the universe or life works, where it's like everything. Will Smith says everything. God puts everything amazing in life on the other side of fear. Right. Yeah. It's like once you, it's like when you go through a checkpoint in like Mario Kart 
and you get like all of the coins. It's kind of how personal growth in life is. It's like once you go, you have to go through some shit and the shit is the checkpoint. Yeah. Then on the other side, it's like freeing because you're releasing these things that have been holding you back for so long. So I think that for most people, it's just like have the awareness that there's there's probably things holding yourself back and going in achieving is not going to release those things. Like people think, oh, I'll become a millionaire and then I'll be successful or then I'll be happy. Right. Yeah. And we've, we've both like, if we're being honest, we both achieved that. And then you realize, oh, I still feel the same that I did five years ago. There's no difference. Right. Yeah, so literally, go, like, oh, I, I can't tell the difference between, you know, X right. amount in my bank account or X amount in my bank account doesn't For really sure. change shit. Yeah. It doesn't. It's just digits on a screen. That's all that it is. Right. And you can buy some fun stuff and you can buy some experiences, but none of those things actually fulfill you. They might make you happy, which is just a momentary, you know, feeling is yeah. happiness. Um, but if people want real fulfillment, it comes from releasing the shit that's holding you back. And that's where I think the true fulfillment comes from. So let's talk about psychedelics. Cause you did bring it up. You've done some psychedelics. I uh, yeah. To, yeah, I love them. Um, <laughs> I haven't done, done them in like a year. So I'm not like someone who does them like yeah. every single weekend. You know? I, I've done, I've done some psychedelics as well. And I think this is, this is something I want to dig into a little bit with people because I, I think a lot of people, my, the first time I ever found out about psychedelics or somebody brought it to me mm-hmm. was, you know, I was like, what do you, what do you mean? You're going to make me take drugs. Yeah. Right? Like I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, so I'd love for you to kind of like, for maybe for somebody out there that's like hearing like, whoa, psychedelics, like that shit's, you know, fucked up. Like, yeah. Talk to me. <laughs> for sure. Well, I have a podcast episode that I put out like almost a year ago now called why I think psychedelics are going to save the earth or save yeah. mankind. I think is what it was. And there was a study that was done on MDMA, which is probably the, in my opinion, the best one to start on. Yeah. When people think psychedelics, they think hallucinogens. A psychedelic doesn't have to be a hallucinogen, but most of them are. MDMA is is a psychedelic that is not a hallucinogen. Psychedelic just means psycho, mind, delic, clear, clear mind. All of the stuff that's in your way. The same reason why people have trouble uh, meditating is because they can't get their brain to slow down. When they do psychedelics, all of that shit that pops into your head when you meditate is gone. Yeah. And and so you can really see what's behind what's what's going on behind the scenes, right? It's it's like forced clarity, yeah. For sure. And there's and it's almost like you can't look away. So it's like, yeah. you've got to look through these things. You've got to see the things that you've done that have held yourself back. You got to see how you've treated people incorrectly. So do I recommend them for everybody? I don't just because they can be very hard for people if they haven't Darn. put a lot of work into themselves. Yeah. But if you really want to learn if psychedelics are good for people, um, number one, just Google uh, Google two things. You can Google uh, mental benefits of MDMA and mental benefits of psilocybin mushrooms. And you be- you Google those two things, they'll give you all of the stats and statistics you could possibly see. You know, there was a, a MDMA study that was done where they did, uh, they had people that had PTSD for 17 years on average. Yep. And uh, they've tried every drug, everything you could possibly do. These people on average had it for 17 years. And they went through three months of psychedelics with uh, psychedelic... Um, with psychotherapy as well. So psychotherapy with psychedelics within three months, 53% of the people were not, were not, could not be categorized as having PTSD anymore. And these people had it for an average of 17 years and nothing nothing else had worked. Nothing else had worked. They followed up with them 12 months later. And that number went from 53% to 67%. Right. So the reason why people have I don't want to say the only reason why, but many of the reasons why people have a lot of issues is because there's unresolved trauma that they're not going back and looking at. 
right? Yeah. So psychedelics just kind of clear everything. Oh my gosh, I've got to do this for work. I've got to send these emails. That kind of clears all of the stuff out and makes you look at these things and says, all right, hey, let's do some work. And yeah. in its simplest form, that's that's really what psychedelics do. That's amazing, man. Yeah, the I've way never I was... done them in a party setting. I've never gone to a concert and yeah. taken mushrooms. It's like I literally have done ayahuasca, which is really hard. Ayahuasca, <laughs> mushrooms, MDMA, um, Wachuma, a uh, little bit of LSD. I've done those and then meditated. That's it. Yeah. I don't do anything else. I just close my eyes and I lay there for four to eight and I hours. Think, I think that's a really important distinction, right? Like this yeah. is not recreationally doing yeah. mushrooms or something. Like the first time that I ever did uh, psilocybin mushrooms was literally the person who took me through it was a doctor mm -hmm. who also had a PhD in cognitive intelligence, his wow. MBA from Harvard and worked at McKinsey wow. for like five years. Like one of the most intelligent people you will ever meet. Mm -hmm. And it was literally just a, you know, blindfolded meditation for the whole time. Yeah. Um, Do you know that so the, very... most, the most clinical studies of any drug that's ever been created in pharmaceuticals is LSD? There's over yeah. 40,000 studies on LSD done in the 60s and the 70s before it, you know, they did the war on drugs and then they just decided, hey, you know, now we're just going to categorize this as, you know, something that's terrible for people. So it's been demonized and it's definitely not something that I would do and then go drive a car or something like that. But meditating, yeah. uh, you know, nobody's ever died from it. 40,000 cases. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's crazy when you think of it that way too, right? Like nobody's yeah. ever died from it. Nobody overdosed from LSD or mm -hmm. Uh, or psilocybin or anything like that. Like you're, it's like alcohol, even caffeine is significantly more toxic sure. than one of these. Yep. So, so once again, we're not condoning it because we are not doctors, but <laughs> if it calls to you, you know, Google it a little bit, go on YouTube and no, type it no. in. You'll find a lot yeah. of information that'll open your mind. Cause I was definitely an anti-psychedelic person, yeah. uh, seven, eight years ago. Yeah. No, I'm not the Crazy same anymore. Man. So that's all we're gonna that's all we're gonna spend on this topic. Everybody else can go, you know, do totally your own great. research, figure out if it's something for you. If it's not, totally cool. We can still be friends. Um, so I always got to ask this question, but what's what's one maybe something that would have kept you in college? What's one big thing that you think needs to be taught in school that's not? Um, I think there's there's uh, there's a couple. Number one, I think that's huge. Probably the most important, in my opinion, is health. I don't think anybody yeah. like what do you, all what of do you the mean health, health? Like, like weight loss what you health? should, what Mental you should health? eat, yeah. what you shouldn't eat, you know, like not to eat yeah. processed foods. Don't eat anything that wasn't once alive, you know, like yeah. don't eat anything that you can't, uh, you can't pronounce the ingredients, you know? So yeah. like, you know, I was, I, I, when I first got into my fitness journey, which is like 2008, 2009, 2010, when I really started getting serious into it, I started doing my own learning and I learned, hey, just shop on the outside of a grocery store, right? Because that's where all of the refrigerated stuff is. And it's yeah. refrigerated because it once was alive, right? So if you don't shop on the inside of it, where it's all the things that could stay, you know, on a shelf for a year, then you're probably going to be pretty good at least, right? Yeah. I had Dr. Uh, Dr. Stephen Gundry on my podcast not long ago. It hasn't even come out yet. But, um, you know, it, it, when you start researching the industries and stuff, you realize how bad it actually is, like how deep the rabbit hole. I thought I knew how deep the rabbit hole went. And then I had him on and he started talking to me about what an actual organic pasture raised chicken means and how it's all just bullshit, you know, wow. like complete BS. 
right? And so th that's what I mean by it. Like be educated on the stuff that's going into your body because the stuff that's going into your body, when they say you are what you eat, you literally are. You become that stuff that you it eat. It literally becomes part of your cells. It becomes yours. Yes, it, correct. Exactly. So I think like that's the most important thing that's not taught. And I think the reason why it's not taught is because honestly, our government doesn't even know what the hell's going on. If you look at just like yeah. everything, uh, period ever, the government doesn't know what's going on. Right. So it's like, uh, that's the first thing that I would say. And the second thing is financial, like literacy, how yeah. to just understand your finances. Those are two things that I didn't understand at all going through college, which I consider two of the most important things, you know, how to stay alive and how to keep money and save money so that you can get out of the rat race or at yeah. least enjoy your life a little bit more, be able to take your family on a vacation or, you know, pay your mortgage off, whatever it is. Not so have think, to have the day-to-day -day stress things. and anxiety of it always like leaning over your head. Yeah. I mean, literally I'm, I'm, I kid you not. The moment when I decided I was going to drop out of college was when I was cheating on the history of civil war class. Like I was saying, like I was, I skipped class because of the fact that I was like, this is dumb. I don't know why I'm here. And then I came in the next time and I was like, oh my God, I have a, I, I missed a test. I got to make up an excuse and then I got to go in and tell him my excuse. And then he's like, all right, go take this in the hall. And so literally I had to go through and, and battle like when the battle of Bunker Hill was because I was supposed to memorize some stupid dates. And I'm like, I'm literally a fucking business major. What yeah. does the history of the civil war in memorizing dates have to do with it? And I was like, I'm, I'm done here. I'm done. And that was, that was, but it had it been a health class or a financial class, you know, I learned more yesterday. I was listening to Tony Robbins interview a billionaire about what's going on with everything that's going on with inflation and and uh, what he's investing his money into and all of that stuff. And I learned more in that 45 minutes of listening to that podcast than the entire four or five years that I was in college. And it's like, it's kind of ridiculous if you think about it, right? Like we are yeah. in the game of money and we're in the game of health, whether we want to recognize that we are or not, we should at least be educated on it. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, along those lines, what's you, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, like you can make great money, but mm -hmm. that doesn't always bring you happiness, fulfillment, success, whatever it might be. What's one or two things that you want everybody to understand is more important than money and why? Uh, well, you know, I, I will say this first off, I spent probably the first 31, 32 years of my life, like just obviously enjoying in, in building business and creating stuff that I love. But the core of what I really worried about the most was making money. Like it was my number one focus, like no BS. Yeah. Right? So I can tell you that from a, from a fact. And there's a, there was a 75 year study that Harvard did to find out literally they, they interview these guys. Like, I think it was like, I think they're on like year 80 or something like that. They was like the back in the, the, the forties, right. They interviewed like 700 kids in Austin or not in Austin, in Boston. And, um, and they were they just study on what makes people happy, right? And yeah. the number one thing that made people happy and made somebody live longer was the relationships and the quality of the relationships they had. Um, so for me, I think the most important thing for people to focus on is their relationships. I get more messages than anything else of on Instagram when people send me messages. It's the, I get messages about money. I get messages about success. I get messages, but majority of the messages are something with relationships that are wrong. I've got a boyfriend that's this way. My mom treats me this way. My father's this way. My, you know, my family thinks this to me, but I want to do different. I think that the most important thing that people should focus on is the quality of the relationships around them and people that, uh, I would say like there are, there's batteries in the world and there's vacuums. Like a vacuum yeah. is somebody when you're around them after, even if it's 20 minutes, you're around them. If you feel drained, like they're sucking 
the energy out of you, that's somebody you shouldn't spend your time around. I don't care. Honestly, I don't care who the hell they are. Like, I don't care yeah. how close they are to you. That's someone you should spend less time with. Then there's people that are batteries. Like you're around them and you feel more energized. Like you and I were both at the mastermind a few weeks ago. I was energized as hell the entire time. I, yeah. when, when 10, 11, 12 came, I, I usually go to bed pretty early. I didn't want to go to bed because I was around so many people that were batteries and I was learning so much and I was growing that it literally made me feel better. And, uh, you know, they say loneliness is the next cancer. Literally, they say that it's it's the equivalent, an extremely lonely person is what it does to your health is the equivalent of 15 cigarettes per day. So basically what you're telling me is COVID lockdowns are killing people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to dive into that one. We could have a whole other hour-long podcast on opinions. <laughs> well, we'll but nobody wants we'll to hear anybody's opinion nowadays. One, the yeah. last thing I want to do is sit with all of the opinions thrown out all over the world right now. The last thing I want to do is give another fucking opinion. I just, I've been keeping it to myself and let the world work <laughs> as the world works, you know? Awesome, man. Well, last, last thing that I do, I want to give something, somebody something or everybody something actionable on that. What do you think is, you know, one thing that people can start to do to, to build stronger relationships, you know, moving forward today? Yeah. I think, I think what makes a quality relationship and, and part of the study that was done, there's a Ted talk. If you just Google or go to YouTube and do 75 year, um, Harvard happiness study, you can watch it. But the thing that they, that they say is the, the, the quality of a relationship is not like how much time you spend together, or any of those things. It is, can I show up as my true self and not be judged? So <clears throat> we all have relationships. Like you mentioned with, earlier, it's just willingness to be real and vulnerable. Which is hard because we've, yeah. we have over our lifetimes built up walls around ourselves to protect ourselves or protect our true self because things have happened, right? If you, if you, um, you know, let's give an example. If you have a girlfriend that cheats on you when you're younger and uh, she breaks your heart, well, then you're going to have resistance towards the next girlfriend. It's the same way that if you have, if you were a dog and your owner beats you and beats you and beats you, then any person that walks by, you're going to be hesitant around. That's yeah. not the true nature of that dog. That is the protective nature of that dog that is protecting itself that once got hurt. So yeah. if I've been cheated on by a girlfriend, then the next time I have a girlfriend, there's going to be a protective nature around that, which means that I'm not actually going to show that person my true self. So it's not easy. It's actually one of the hardest things that we'll do is to show somebody our true selves and to be vulnerable. But I'm going to tell you this, if you're listening to this, very few people that you know have the, the strength and the courage to be vulnerable first in a relationship. Yeah. So if you want to have open, vulnerable relationships, you're probably going to have to be the first one. Like it's just gonna have to be that way. Cause what's really interesting about it, and I did, I literally did a episode about two or three weeks ago on vulnerability, <clears throat> is that the one thing that we wanna see from somebody in a relationship is vulner their true vulnerable self. And the and one thing that we scared. wanna hide yeah. is our true vulnerable self. Yep. So how can we possibly expect somebody to give us something that we're not willing to give to them? Yeah, that's amazing. I think we're going to we're going to close on that one. Leave that one marinating with everybody. Uh Rob, this has been great. Where where can people learn more about you everything that you're doing? Yeah, man. Uh podcast comes out Monday through Friday now, so it's five times a week. It's called The Mindset Mentor. I'm everywhere. Yeah, where I gotta, that's just to. impressive. I got to catch up to you, man. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I I just try to create more content than anybody else that's out there, you know. And then uh you know, everywhere that you have the internet, if you type in Rob Dial, Instagram, we're at about 300,000 people that follow me on Instagram, Facebook, about 2.7 million people that follow me on Facebook. So just type in Rob Dial, R-O-B-D-I-A-L, anywhere with a mindset mentor and 
you're definitely going to find. He's hard to miss. He's hard to miss. <laughs> you're not going to find another person that's that's named Rob Dow. That's for sure. <laughs> Rob, thanks for showing up, man. Appreciate thanks it. Sure, man. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton. Thanks a ton.